بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيد الأنبياء والمرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين اللهم صل على سيدنا ومولانا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا ومولانا محمد وبارك وسلم أما بعد السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته We praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for granting us tawfiq to fulfill the fara'id, to come to his house, to fulfill the duty that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has placed over us. And we also thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for granting us the ability and the tawfiq to be created within this, this ummah of Rasulullah Reality is that we did not choose to be part of this ummah, but we were placed in this ummah. So this is a favor from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For giving us that, uh, that that favor, basically. And many people came before, as we know, but they were in different umam in the past, such that other anbiya, alayhimu salatu wasalam, had the desire to be part of this ummah. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had reserved that for this, uh, the, the people in this era. And as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Qur'an, the reason why the Anbiya alayhi salatu wanted to be part of this ummah is because this was the culmination and the completion of deen. That happened in this ummah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Ma'idah, verse number 3, الْيَوْمَ أَكْمَلْتُ لَكُمْ دِينَكُمْ وَأَتْمَمْتُ عَلَيْكُمْ نِعْمَتِي وَرَضِيتُ لَكُمُ الْإِسْلَامَ دِينَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says today, is referring to the time in Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam's life when he was doing the Hajjatul Wada'a Today I have completed my deen for you The deen of Islam or religion is complete today So religion was completed and it was not complete before Rasulullah Sallallahu Religion meaning our duty to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala knowing who the Creator is knowing how to please Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala and perfection in that matter from the time of Adam salam till Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, it was it was culminating, it was becoming perfect, and it was perfected by Allah subhanahu wa taala in the lifetime of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So this is a ni'mah Allah subhanahu wa taala granted Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam and the adherence of his way. And in one hadith, Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam says that the, my example in comparison to all of the anbiya before me is like a palace and this palace is perfect and it's very beautiful and people come and look at the palace from afar and they find pleasure in looking at it because it's so amazing but there's a missing brick in that palace it's completely perfect but there's a missing brick so everyone says if only that brick was filled in it would have been perfect but everything else is is really beautiful so Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says this is his example he is that brick the final piece of religion, of deen, that is Rasulullah what he came to preach. He's fulfilling and, and completing what Musa Isa all the other Anbiya brought. That completion was done by Nabi So Allah says, Today I have completed the deen for you. And I have fulfilled my favor upon you. The favor of Allah upon mankind was complete, meaning showing us how to worship Allah. And I am happy, the way you are to make me happy is to accept Islam as a deen, as a religion. I have preferred Islam as 
the correct religion for you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us. In Surah Ali Imran, verse number 19, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Inna deena indallahi al-Islam. Deen and religion, according to Allah, is Islam. There's no other way we can please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala other than Islam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not happy with any other deen, any other religion. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has also blessed us with not only the perfect deen, and it came into its fruition, as we said, through Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, but Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa himself is a ni'mah from Allah. He himself is a ni'mah from Allah because we not only have a practical theory of how to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but we also have a practical example. We have the theory, the Qur'an, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks to us. He tells us commandments, prohibitions, different stories. But we also have the that and the being of Rasulullah sallallahu We see how he reacted to people, how he acted, how he behaved. What did Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa do? This is also a huge ni'mah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also says this in Surah Al-Imran, verse 164. لَقَدْ مَنَّ اللَّهُ عَلَى الْمُؤْمِنِينَ إِذْ بَعَثَ فِيهِمْ رَسُولًا مِنْ أَنفُسِهِمْ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has indeed given a great favor upon the believers when he has sent to them a messenger from themselves. So Allah calls Rasulullah a great favor. He is indeed a great favor upon us. He will recite the verses of Allah unto the people. And he will purify people of their acts of worship, their incorrect acts of worship, their incorrect akhlaq and their incorrect mannerisms and behaviors. He will teach them the kitab. He will teach them the Qur'an. He will teach them the wisdom which is his life. The hadith is the hikmah, the wisdom. And before him, they were in very clear error. This entire world, we were, we were steeped in error, misguidance, before the coming of Rasulullah In one hadith, the seventh hadith in Sunan Abi Dawood, a very famous collection of hadith, Salman radiallahu anhu says that someone came to him and they said to him, لَقَدْ عَلَّمَكُمْ نَبِيُّكُمْ كُلَّ شَيْءٍ حَتَّى الْخِرَاءَ The person came trying to ridicule Islam to Salman radiallahu anhu, a very famous sahabi. So he said that your Nabi came to you and he taught you every single little thing, even how to use the restroom. Khara'a meaning, it's a bad word, but meaning how to use the restroom. He taught you how to use the restroom. And then Salman radiallahu anhu, he didn't take it as, you know, this was a negative comment that this person was saying, but he turned it around. And he said, yes, he did teach us this. And this is a favor that every small detail in our deen has been outlined by our Rasul, even how to use a restroom. And we, we are proud of that. Other deens, they don't even know their aqaid and their beliefs. We don't have to worry about our beliefs. That's completely there. We are even, we have the details of how to use a restroom as well. So this is a, a matter of fakhr and pride that we have. And one thing we have to understand is that in our era, in our time, oftentimes what we feel is that this deen is acts of worship. And that unfortunately, even if we don't believe that, we shouldn't, but we act that way. That my religion, my religiosity, my connection to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is contained within worship itself only. Right? I fast in Ramadan, 
when it's Hajj season, inshallah, once in my lifetime I'll go for Hajj. I perform my salah, and s- such a person, and they, they give their zakat, they, they're considered a person who is religious. But this deen is something more than that. It's more than just acts of worship. This is a big part of deen. It is definitely a very large portion of deen. Such that in many hadith, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa says, between a person performing salah and not performing salah, the difference between the two is iman and kufr. Meaning a person who leaves out salah, that's not a real Muslim. So that is very important. But there are other aspects of our deen, right? not just worship. And we need to understand these different aspects of our deen if we want to be true, true followers of Rasulullah wasallam. If we want to understand what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was saying in that ayah that I have completed the deen for you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us. Now does that mean that we know how to perform salah from A to Z? We know how to do our salah? That I know exactly how to give my zakah? That's a part of it. But there's many other aspects that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is referring to here. What are these other aspects? Ulama, they mention five different categories of what Islam is. What is our deen? They mention five different categories. And this really breaks down what we are to know to become a true follower of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa And this is all within the Qur'an and the Sunnah. The Qur'an, the theory, the Sunnah, the practical aspect of it. How, how you're supposed to enact the theory. Number one is aqa'id, our beliefs. So the Qur'an, it came and it taught us the correct beliefs. What must we believe regarding Allah? Regarding the angels? Regarding different books that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends? Regarding different anbiya alayhimu salatu wasalam? Regarding the hereafter? Regarding a realm that we cannot see? This is not ibadah in the sense that you know, we, we, we do these things. This is part of my heart, part of my brain. You know, this is our world view. So this is a great portion of Islam. So number one, our beliefs. So this is, you know, like I'm mentioning, Islam is not just ibadah, there's more than that. We need to learn these things. We need to understand what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to know of the hidden realms, of the ghayb. And this is the first aqidah, first belief that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in Surah Al-Baqarah, one of the first ones mentioned in the Qur'an. الَّذِينَ يُؤْمِنُونَ بِالْغَيْبِ They are those, the muttaqeen, those who fear Allah, those who are close to Allah, are those who believe in the unseen realm. And that is all of these different aspects. So that is one. Number two is ibadat. Acts of worship. So this is a very major portion of Islam. Like I mentioned, a person, the tariqus salah, a person who leaves out salah, they are on, in danger of, of leaving Islam. So this is very important. But at times what we do is we, 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 our, our concept of Islam is limited to ibadat. It's actually more than that. Number three is called mu'amalat. These are dealings. Business law. Different types of, uh, you know, how to uh, sell, how to purchase, how to rent, how to... All of these things are, are laid out. And in reality, if we're going to engage in something like business, we have to understand what is permissible, what is impermissible, what is riba, what is usury, what is, it, what is interest, how do we stay away from that. This is also a very big part of Islam. Halal, haram, what food is halal, what food is haram, we have to understand that. If we limit our Islam and our understanding to Islam just to salah and zakah and salm and hajj, then we go and we eat whatever we want, we drink whatever we want. This is not Islam. There's more to Islam than that. So these are the mu'amalat and the dealings. And then we have what's called mu'ashara. Mu'ashara is 
the way a person lives with those people around them. So this has, you know, nikah falls under, under this, uh, marital law falls under this, uh, divorce law, all of those different things, how to bring up children. These are actual masail, actual things discussed in Islam, in hadith, in Quran. So each one of us, when we become a parent, we have to understand these things. Why is it that we spend so much time perfecting our wudu, our salah? That's great, alhamdulillah. But we spend zero time in learning what Nabi Sallallahu had to say about raising our children, about, deal, about living with our spouse, about the laws of nikah and, and divorce. I don't want to scare anyone, but one alim told me that he, he dealt with many situations. And he's like, so many times people come to me and they tell me, you know, like spouse, marital issues. And they tell me things and I realize that these people aren't even married. They don't even know that they're not married anymore. Because something someone said in the wrong place, in the wrong context, they, they have no idea. We need to learn these things. This is part of Islam. So this is Mu'ashara, relationships. And this is what I'll be talking about today. I know it take a long time with introductory points. But I'm going to be talking about Mu'ashara, inshallah. How we are supposed to live with one another and our relationships in Islam. And the last one is akhlaq and character. So character, we know this is a very, very important part of deen. Sabr, when to exercise patience, when to display shukr, thanks and gratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when to, how to abstain from the dunya, all of these different things are part of akhlaq, also called the science of ihsan or perfection in one's character. So all of these make up what our deen is. Five different things. Number one is aqaid and beliefs. Number two, ibadat, worship. Number three, mu'amalat, dealings. Number four, mu'asharat, relationships. And number five, akhlaq, our character. When we have all of these five, as the ulama say, then inshallah we will have a holistic, a complete understanding of deen in our lives. And this takes a very long time to understand but this is what our lives are for. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us a very long period of time so that we may learn these things. We shouldn't become overwhelmed, like how do I learn all of these things? I don't have time to memorize all of these different books and learn all of these different things. But inshallah, slowly, slowly, we can learn all of these things and put them into practice. It just, it's a matter of, of niya, intention, and the will. So I wanted to discuss about mu'asharat, relationships, inshallah. For the next few weeks, inshallah, if Allah gives tawfiq, we'll talk about different relationships that we have. And the main relationship that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala stresses in the Qur'an after our relationship with the Creator, of course, that's ibadat and our aqaid and our beliefs with Allah. After that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala stresses our relationship with our parents. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala stresses this to a great deal in the Qur'an. And inshallah, I'll be sharing some ayat and we will see how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala stresses this. And so inshallah, I'll talk about this for this khutbah, maybe next week as well. And we'll discuss the, the, the maqam, the level, the, the place where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has, uh, has put our parents. And how we are to treat our parents. And what are the ahkam of this? Right? At times, you know, if we are parents and... When we hear this, our mind should not go to these are the rights my child should be giving me, right? It shouldn't be I hear the rights of parents and I start thinking, oh, this is what I'm owed by my child. Rather, what we're supposed to feel is this is what I owe to my parents, first and foremost. And in a hadith, inshallah, we'll talk about, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa says, if you want your children to obey you, to be dutiful children to you, then you have to do the same to your parents. 
as the Nabi says. As you know, in the Western world, they say karma. But we believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He will give us the badal, meaning He will give us a replacement of our own actions. If we do something, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will ensure that inshallah we will receive that as well. So what are some ayat in the Quran regarding parents itself, the, the, the virtue of respecting parents? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-An'am, verse 151, Say, O Muhammad, to the people, come, let me tell you what Allah has made forbidden for you. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells Rasulullah, tell the people that I'm going to mention what is haram for you. Number one, Allah tushiriku bihi shay'a. Number one is do not do shirk with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Do not ascribe partners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in any of his divine attributes, in any of his divine names. Do not ascribe any partners. That's number one. And what is number two? Right after mentioning the rights of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and that is that we do not do shirk. And show ihsan, kindness, goodness to your parents. Now what does that entail? Inshallah, we will find the tafsir of that in the hadith. The hadith is a tafsir of the Qur'an. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when he speaks, وَمَا يَنْطِقُ عَنِ الْهَوَىٰ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Najm that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam does not speak out of his own desires. Rather, إِنْ هُوَ إِلَّا وَحْيُ يُوحَىٰ Whatever he speaks, this is a type of wahi. This is a tafsir of the Qur'an. Now what are the other wrongs that Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is told to, to explain to people? So number one, do not do shirk. Number two is we must be good to our parents, i.e. do not be wrongful and do not be uh, disobedient to your parents. And number three, Do not murder your children out of fear that you will not be able to provide. This was a thing in the past where they would be afraid and even it may apply today. Do not murder. We are the ones that give you risk and them risk. So do not worry about risk. Do not approach lewdness, do not approach uh, immorality and immodesty, that which is apparent, that which is hidden. Do not approach it at all. And do not kill anyone. That the, the innocent souls that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that these are innocent people, do not kill them. This is the nasliha and the advice of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so that you may understand. Now if you look at this ayah, these are the major, major sins that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mentioning. So number one, shirk. Of course, we all understand this is the absolute major sin. What is number two is to disobey the parents. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, do ihsan to them. Meaning, do not disobey. And then what are the other things? Murdering children. Then approaching immodesty, immorality, killing a person. All of these are huge sins. And then there is, there is the disobedience of parents. In today's time, the way we look at disobedience of parents is like it's a small thing. But in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions it with the greatest of sin. So this is how we should imagine it. Shirk, then disobeying parents, then murder. This is, this is very serious. But unfortunately, in our minds, what is happening is we, we find this and we see this as a very small thing. And this is why the sin is even greater. Because we understand it to be a very small issue, then, and, and it's always, you know, our parents are always in front of us, those of us whose, whose parents are alive, they're always with us. And so the opportunities of doing this major sin are more frequent. You know, alhamdulillah, to a, a major degree, we're going to avoid shirk unless a person is ignorant of it. 
a person is not going to get involved in murder. But disobedience of the parents, that, that's you know, something that can happen on a daily basis. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us that this is a major sin. Some other ayat in Surah Al-Ankabut, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَوَصَّيْنَا الْإِنسَانَ بِوَالِدَيْهِ husna." We have firmly given a nasiha to humanity that they should show obedience and goodness to their parents. There's many other ayat in this regard. Now, what are some of the ahadith that Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa has shared with us? Like I mentioned, this is the tafsir of the Qur'an. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, do not disobey your parents. Very simply, just like in the Qur'an, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, aqimu salah wa atu zakah. Perform salah, give zakah. Does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mention, okay, salatul fajr is going to be two raka'ah, uh, salatul zuhar is four, asr is four, maghrib is three, isha is four. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not mention that in the Qur'an. How do we know this? The tafsir of the Qur'an, which is the hadith, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa tells us. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa has performed that. And that is how we understand how to perform salah. The two are, they go hand in hand. If someone is accepting the Qur'an and they don't accept hadith, this, this doesn't make any sense. Because then you'll just start interpreting the Qur'an any way you want. In fact, some people actually try to do this. And they say salah actually means from literally, if, the, if you don't take any hadith, then you have no explanation of what salah is. So some people who do this, who, who you know, try to reject hadith, they come out with very ajib and strange, strange things. For an example, they say salah. How do they now interpret the Qur'an? They, they use the lugha or Arabic. So they say among the meanings of salah is tahriku salawain, moving the rear end. So some people say, I walk every day in the morning, so I'm performing my salah. Alhamdulillah. I take a walk, I did my salah. What, what deen is left? What Islam is left for a person now? When you can interpret everything, zakah means purity. I take a ghusl every morning after my walk. So I've done my salah, I've done my zakah. So it makes absolutely no sense to ignore the hadith. They, they go hand in hand. Just saying that because there are some people who say that, you know, we don't accept the hadith. This is a you know, rejection of, of Islam in itself. So in Bukhari and Muslim, and these are, as we know, the, the, the strongest sources that we have of our hadith. And we have other great sources as well. But these are known to be the Sahihain, the two most authentic books after the Qur'an. And in fact, there's no authentic book more authentic, of course, than the Qur'an, Bukhari, and Muslim in the entire world. We can say this with confidence. Not even in the Islamic literature, but any type of literature you will find, there's nothing more authentic than, meaning ancient literature, we're talking about like, you know, the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, etc., than the, the Qur'an, that is the most authentic, because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that He will preserve it, and the Sahihin. So anyway, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, and this is a hadith narrated by Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu anhu. He says, I asked Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Ibn Mas'ud asked him, Ayyul amal ahabbu ilallah? Which action is the most beloved to Allah? Qala as-salatu ala waqtiha. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, the most beloved action that a person can do for the sake of Allah is performing salah in its prescribed time. This is the best way to get close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the fara'id. The five times salah, performing them when the time sets in, and not delaying them, and not being lazy in their regard, and preparing oneself beforehand with wudu and mentally preparedness, and performing the salah in the best manner. This is the best way to get close to Allah. Then Ibn Mas'ud said, I said, what's the next best action? 
قَالَ بِرُّ الْوَالِدِينَ Nabi Sallallahu said, After Salah, the greatest way you can get to Allah is to treat your parents well. This is the greatest action after Salah. Now to put things into perspective, look at the third question. Then he said, which one is third? Nabi Sallallahu said, Al-Jihadu fi sabilillah. Jihad is third. We all hear about the different ayat of jihad and we know how great this action must be when people go out with Nabi Sallallahu and they die. And they don't come back. But he says this is third. Salah, treating parents well, then giving your life for Allah. So this shows us the maqam and, and the position Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given to our parents. So, as we know, it's a type of jihad. Another narration from Abdullah ibn Amr ibn Asr radiallahu anhumah. He says, جَاءَ رَجُلٌ إِلَىٰ نَبِيِّ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ فَاسْتَأْذَنَهُ فِي الْجِهَادِ A person came to Rasulullah صلى الله عليه وسلم asking him for permission to take part in jihad. You know, the, at that time when Nabi صلى الله عليه وسلم was in Medina, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala opened the doors of jihad fi sabilillah. So, the ayat came down encouraging them. This young man came and he had this fervor and he said to Nabi صلى الله عليه وسلم that I want to give my life for Allah. Nabi then responded to him, Ahayyun walidak. Is your father alive? This was the response of Nabi Sallallahu Now imagine Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, his faith is totally in Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. He could have easily said that this is great, I got a new uh, soldier for my army, more increased numbers is more likely we're going to win. Rather, he, he's not worried about that. He knows Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala is going to give them victory if Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala wills. So he asked this person, and he knows this, this uh, you know, hierarchy. Is your father alive? He said, yes. And he's actually referring to both parents. It's both your father and your mother. So he said, they're both alive. So Nabi Wasallam said, فِيهِمَا fajahid. In them do your jihad. Nabi Wasallam says, in your parents do jihad. Now what does this mean? How does one do jihad in their parents? Unfortunately, in today's time, we do jihad with our parents. You know, we, we, we fight them, literally. But when Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is saying, do jihad in your parents, what does that mean? So, this is a very profound statement. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is saying, treat your parents well. And it's not going to be all the time that your parents are going to make it easy for you to treat them well. It's a jihad. Treating your parents well. When maybe sometimes they're wrong. When sometimes they're adamant in their ways. When sometimes they're stubborn, they're being rude to you, they're being mean to you. When sometimes, you know, everything is telling you to disobey, to raise your voice, to show your power, to show your authority. But at this time, this is jihad. In one hadith, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, لَيْسَ الشَّدِيدُ بِالسُرْعَةِ You think the strong person is, is, is one who can wrestle another person and take them down? He said, that's not a strong person. A shadid, the strong person, he's not a guy who can topple other people over and a wrestler. A shadid, a strong person, is the one who can practice restraint when they're angry. That is strength. So when our parents are there and they're making it difficult for us, does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us ijazah to disobey? Does Nabi give us ijazah to make them know what their place is? Na'udhu billah. No. Rather, he's saying, serve them, do jihad them, restrain yourself. And this is something that we have to learn how to do. This is very difficult. This is the real strength that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to see from us. What Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa preached, 
He didn't preach just going and harming everything and physically harming everything that we can find, even our parents. Rather, he taught us self-restraint. He taught us how to hold ourselves back, how to treat them properly. And this is something that we are in great need in today's time. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us tawfiq for this. One more narration inshallah and then we'll, we'll, we'll pause for today and we'll continue next week inshallah. Anas radiallahu anhu says, Ata rajulun rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam faqal, inni ashtahi al-jihad wa la aqdiru alayhi. A person came to Rasulullah sallallahu saying that I wish to partake in jihad, but I can't do it. I don't have the wealth to buy a horse. I don't have the means to take part. I'm physically weak. I, I just cannot do it, but I really want to. So Nabi sallallahu what did he say? Hal ahad? Is any of your parents alive? Who's alive amongst your parents? Look at the, the, the response of Nabi sallallahu As soon as someone asks him for the greatest action, jihad, he says, he turns the, the, the conversation towards parents. Which one of them are alive? He said, Ummi, my mother's alive. He said, He says that get close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by treating your mother nice. This is going to be your jihad. When you have done this, when you have treated your mother nice, and how do we know when we treated our mother nice? Right? We know we treated our parents nice is when, when they can testify to it, not when we testify to it. Yeah, Alhamdulillah, I treat my parents well. But when we ask them, they say, no, he's a horrible child. No, it's when they are happy with us. And so Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says, فَإِذَا فَعَلْتَ ذَلِكَ فَأَنْتَ حَاجٌ وَمُعْتَمِرٌ وَمُجَاهِدٌ Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says, if you have treated your parents well, and they testify to this, not when they're pressured, but in the law, in Yawm Al-Qiyamah, they can say, oh Allah, my child was very good to me. Then, not only are you a mujahid, you are a person who has done hajj, you are a person who has done Umrah, and you are a person who has done Jihad. So this is the level that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given to our parents, that we get close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by getting close to our parents. And this is very important because it is a Jihad, it's not easy. Ibadah is not easy, this is very difficult. So we need to learn restraint, we need to learn how to treat our parents well, inshallah. We'll continue next week, inshallah, regarding this. وَصَلَّى اللَّهُ تَبَارَكَ وَتَعَالَى عَلَىٰ خِيرِ خَلْقِهِ مُحَمَّدٍ وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين